Amen. Amen. Well, hey, if you didn't know this, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, and I got appreciated because I got manna from heaven right here. This is from Pastor Chase and Hannah to me. But I just opened up the rest of the present, and it's a 2020 Corvette. We're not supposed to covet, but it started something in me that it's a car I probably will never be able to drive. I know, and it's too small, but it's close. So now you know my dream car. It used to be a 2019 Corvette until they came out with a new body style, and now I don't want a new one. I want, I mean, I want a brand new one, not an old one. Greedy, huh? Greedy, greedy. Pastor Chase, thank you for the Corvette. Beautiful. It's a beautiful car. I got some good news. Amen. Good news. Not a hundred percent, but some 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 good news that I get. A, we'll know in two weeks that some really good news could be happening. It's a true story. True story. So it's not a hundred percent. But many of you have been through our journey of building, and, and, and if you don't know, if you've been here, if you're newer to the church, you don't know that this is first phase, all right? This is our first building that we built, and we were planning on being it for like three or four years, and it's been like 13. Um, and so uh, any circumstances, but, you know, we got a mortgage on it, obviously, but there's some things that are going on that, that we'll know within the next couple of weeks uh, that this building could be paid off. And so that is a very good, exciting thing. Um, it's very likely, but it's not 100%. Again, some things have to happen, um, and, uh, and I'm excited about that because what that means is, is we can begin to focus on the new building, uh, and we have kind of some plans for it, like of, of what it would look like. So I'm excited about that, I mean, because we're going to have a real foyer, not a cattle shoot, okay, because we didn't build this to, to have as many people as we're running now, uh, and it's, my wife's got this dream of what it's going to look like. There's going to be a coffee shop. It's going to probably be girly, and part of it's going to be manly, and, and she's dreaming up this whole thing, and all we'll get for the money will probably be a nice foyer, and we'll still have to have church here because it's going to be so elaborate. I doubt it. But uh, anyway, so to be able to get the building paid off is an amazing thing, amen, because it kind of frees up some things. So again, I will keep you posted on that. Um, you know, I, I was talking to somebody, I said, you know, it's like telling your kids we might get to go to Disneyland, the emphasis on the word might, <laughs> because what they hear is we are going to Disneyland. So it's like, this could happen. So I'm excited about it. And uh, again, just want to say, just thank you for being with us for all these years. And I'm excited with the future as um, I will tell you this uh, a couple of weeks ago, I drove out of the property. I can't remember if I shared this on a Sunday or a Wednesday, um, but I walked into my office and I clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, time to dream again. Time to dream again. And I was like, that's awesome. So I was out there looking at what the building could look like. Um, but we're not touching the ball fields because those are very important to me. So we might have to, we'll figure it out. But anyways, kids, you guys can be dismissed. First to sixth grade, uh, Michael, the main usher, will show you where to go back there. Uh, do not go outside. Hang a left by the coffee. So hey, let's get into this. When Tennessee's takeover, it actually was a pretty short message for service. So if you're a good crowd, I'll let you out early. Amen. Amen. You've been up for early release. Okay, go right, yeah. When tendencies take over, we, we have been in a series called When Tendencies Take Over, uh, and we've come to the fact that we all have tendencies. Like a tendency is something that you do out of habit. Uh, you have a tendency to do certain things. And when they take over, that can be bad. So we're not saying don't have tendencies. What we're saying is you have to learn to control them. You have to learn to say, okay, my, if I have a tendency to get angry when I'm driving, I have to say, okay, when I drive, somebody's gonna cut me off. Somebody's gonna cut me off. I've coined a term, at least I've never heard anybody else say it, but it's, it's, I got Californiaed. That means I got cut off without a blinker. 
Because when we went to California and drove down to San Francisco to watch a Giants game, we discovered that's how you drive. You don't blink, because if you blink, they will get closer to the car and not let you in. I'm like, I got Idaho plates. When we blink, people usually just let you in. They're like, oh, yeah, you need to get over, go ahead. But in California, it's the opposite. If you blink, they, they close the gap. So you learn how to do the NASCAR thing. Um, so if you have this problem with road rage, you have to prepare yourself. Okay, if I have a tendency to get angry, I just have to know what's going to happen. And, and in our lives, the tendencies, if they take over, bad things will take place. So Mark 4.35 is where we're going to go. I want to start off with a question. The question is this. How often do the things that you worry about actually happen? How often do the things you worry about actually happen? According to statistics, 97% of the things you worry about never take place. 97%. Now, if you could win the lottery 97% of the time, how many times would you play? All the time. Okay, that was a loaded question, because if you play more than once after you won millions, you're just greedy. Unless you tithe on it, then you keep playing, baby. Um, we'll build a gigantic thing. Um, but that's an amazing thing. And yet, how often do we worry? So our, our main discussion uh, is about dealing with our fears in life. Because every single person in this place is dealing with something that we would rather not be dealing with. True? Like, there's something right now in your life, you're like, you know, if I could just not have to deal with it, that would be great. You know what I mean? I mean, that's everybody in this place. So this message is for everybody. We'd just rather not be dealing with it uh, because we're all dealing with something on one level or another. I'm going to start out with a story of when I was a kid. I was thinking of, of what I could do to prove the point of what my title is. And I remember a, a time when my mom and I were deer hunting, and this was in uh, Northern California. Uh, by, if you know where Alder Point's at, if you know where Alder Point's at, you're backwoods probably because it's backwoods. Uh, if you know where Garberville is, Okay, we, we spend, they used to call it Garbageville. Uh, no, I didn't name it that. That's just what they called it. Uh, and we were, we were hunting. So my mom and I were going to hunt this old apple orchard. Um, there had been a, a uh, little farm, and I think the house burned down. And so we went to hunt the apple orchard. So mom grabs a 30-30, and we, we walk up to the orchard, and we're going to do an evening deer stand. And so I, being like Zacchaeus, climbed up in the apple tree. And, uh, and I'm just watching, and my mom's down below the tree, and we're just hanging out and, and just watching. And, and I see this doe and this, this fawn come out, and they're feeding. And uh, mom you know, she's just down below me. Well, dark comes, we go back to the ranch house. And my dad said, would you guys see? And I said, well, we saw a, a doe and a fawn. And mom says, no, we didn't. Like, we didn't see anything. I said, no, I, you didn't see the doe and the fawn? She said, no, I didn't see anything. And I'm like, how could you not see the doe and the fawn? I'm thinking in my mind, they came out. Well, I discovered that the problem was perspective. I was in a different place than she was, so I could see what was happening, and she could see what was happening from her perspective. So the question is, which of us was right? Both, right? That was her perspective. So that's the title of today's message is The Problem with Perspective. Perspective is simply how you see things. Now, this is not a cause of any marital fights whatsoever. And there's no difference in perspective in a marriage, right? We all know that that's not true. It is probably the biggest cause of fights is just a perspective, the way you see things. So the question I'm going I'm to ask you in just a moment, we'll read the story and then I'll have a question for you. So this is a, a story of Jesus when he calms a storm. And a little backstory here, uh, I, I read like before and after of what the story is because you need to know context. Context is so important. Context is so important. You could, you could drive by a house and see a dad throw a kid out the second story window and go, what is he doing, right? You could call the police and then you can go, oh wait, there was a fire going on and he could not escape. He was saving his child. 
So you have a loving dad, right, throwing the kid out the window, and if you see it from a wrong perspective, you think it's child abuse when in reality he was saving the child. Perspective is an amazing, amazing thing. So Jesus is exhausted. He's been preaching and teaching, and people are following him around. Matter of fact, there's a, in chapter 3, it says they went to this house, and so many people showed up at the house that he didn't even have a chance to eat. His disciples, he didn't even get food because so many people showed up and he's meeting all these needs. Um, so finally, he's like, all right, we've been all day preaching and teaching. It's time to leave. It's time to get out of here. So they get in a boat and here's how it starts. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, a furious storm And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why were you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They, were, they had seen him do these miracles, and now he's controlling the sea. Now he's controlling the wind. They're like, who is this guy? Now let's talk about this. If I asked you to retell the story from memory, what would be the things that you pointed out? But here's what I came up with. Most likely, here's what you would say if I told you I need you to repeat this story to your kids on the way home. Okay, well, they got on the boat. The storm came up. They freaked out. Jesus was sleeping, Jesus rebukes the storm, and there's peace, there's calm water. That'd be about the gist of it, right? That's, that's the highlights of it. But we may tend to overlook the most important verse, in my opinion, and that's verse 35, and that's this. Jesus said this, let's go over to the other side. Okay, this is a factual statement. He didn't say, hey, let's see if we can make it. Hey, let's see if there's some chance we can get over to this destination. He made a statement of, let's go over to the other side. See, the the destiny was in the details. And it's a detail you might have missed. If I said, repeat the story, you might not have said what Jesus said first, let's go over to the other side. It's a fact. It's a destination. The destination was already determined. Now it's just a matter of getting there. And don't think that in life, that though there's a destination in your life, that it's not going to be full of storms. Smooth sailing is not a part of God's plan most of the time. Okay? A happy marriage is not just smooth sailing. Everything's great. Everybody's getting along. That is not what a happy marriage is. A happy marriage would be ideal if you never fought, if you never disagreed. But it wouldn't be realistic. Yeah, Hallmark. That's Hallmark. It's fake. Right? They're paid to fake it. There's fake news and there's fake marriages, right? But when you can understand something, and here's my point, that God has a plan for your life and you are rowing toward that destination, the water is gonna get rough at times. And this is when you have to believe that Jesus is in your boat because he's in your boat, it's not gonna sink. It's not gonna sink. Most of you know, if you've been here for a while, that my dad was a pilot. So we grew up flying a lot, had Cessnas. Uh, we flew all the time. And I'm gonna tell you something. We, we never questioned my dad's ability to get us to the destination, when we went through turbulence, when we went through fog, when we went through some things, we never once in the back go to my brothers, do you think dad's going to get us through this? Do you think dad has the ability? No, my dad was a very good pilot. My dad had the ability, and we never one time questioned my dad's ability to get us to the destination. Not one time. And when you know that God is your father, God is the pilot, and you go through turbulence, you can say, you know what? I, I trust the pilot. 
I trust the pilot. Why? Because he's my father and he loves me and he has good things for me so I don't have to freak out. Now, what they saw with their eyes was real. Okay? There was a storm. There were waves. They, I mean, they, it was a real thing. So their perception was a reality. But the truth was is they were gonna make it through the storm because Jesus had already determined the destination. And some of you today may be just questioning like, am I doing what God wants me to do? Because life just seems like we're floating, I don't know. If you're rowing toward the destination, God will get you there, promise. I promise, why? Because his word promises that. That's what really today is all about. So what are you facing right now is real, okay? You might be facing pain, suffering, emotion, uncertainty, Whatever your storm is right now, we will all face them. And that's why we're doing this series. Okay? We're fighting our tendencies. Do you have any tendencies that you just fight on a regular basis? See, we have the tendency to fear things we can't control or don't understand. These two things. Take a picture of this. We fear what we don't understand. And if you're new, that's sometimes how we take notes. Just hold your phone up and take notes. We fear what we don't understand. And we fear what we can't control. Here's what I have found in life. A lot of people get stuck on the why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? Why is it happening to me? Are you human? Yes. You have to ask yourself, why not me? Instead of complaining about what's going on and going, why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? You have to be honest and go, well, why not me? Because if you're going, why me? Why me? Why me? You're basically saying, I'm more special than everybody else and bad things shouldn't have happened to me because I'm cute. Because I'm tall which is, I'm probably 0 for 2 on both of those, but, all right, I can fix engines. Oh, that's mine. All right, all right, and, and we get into this, why me? And I think there's times we have to go, you know, why not me? Why not me? I would rather be around a why not me person than a why me person. Why me, why me, why me? It's like the Eeyore. I'd rather be around somebody that, that has a positive. You know, why not me? Hey, my car broke down. Why not? Why am I special that bad things shouldn't happen to me? I'm going through a certain situation. Well, why not? It's not like God has me protected from everything else. It's why not me? And when you begin to have that attitude, I think that you're gonna find yourself enjoying life a little bit more. So I wrote something down that's not in the notes um, that, I, that I wanted to add to this, and that's this. It's feeling sorry for yourself is an emotion, but staying sorry for yourself is a choice. Let me say that again. Feeling sorry for yourself is an emotion. In other words, we're all going to feel sorry for ourselves, but staying sorry for yourself is a choice. Where are you at today? See, here's what God doesn't do. He doesn't drop you off in this earth and wish you luck. Hey, hope you make it. It's a jungle out there. Oh, by the way, there's a lion called the devil. He might get you, but it's not like God drops us off at camp and says, see you in a week, hopefully, if you make it. But some people act like that. Some people think that, well, God just dropped us off on the earth and it's a jungle and, and he's gonna see us at the end. God is with you every step of the way. He, he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He promises that. Okay? He's involved in our everyday life. He's either with me or he's not with me. And the word of God says that he's with me. I told you this story before and I'll repeat it again because it's a good story. Last year when we were flying to Maui, we had a layover in San Jose. So my wife and I were there and we get on the plane and, and we're on the tarmac and I'm talking about the flight. And I'm just like, because I have zero fear of flying. I mean, like I said, I grew up flying, zero fear. I've gone on the plane and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, we might crash. I'm talking out loud to Chris. We might crash. I said, but, you know, I don't think we will. But if we do, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm fine. And, and the guy sitting in the row next to me, or not, he's sitting in the seat next to me. 
Um, his wife is on the other side of the aisle. He's looking a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm just like, it's fine. We're going to be fine. I was like, God's got a call in my life. I'm not, we're not going to crash. But if we do crash, I'm good. I'm, you know, we'll go to heaven and everything will be fine. And he, he's not, he says, not everybody shares your point of view. And I realized that my running my mouth, talking about my faith, that we're going to get there. And it's kind of up to the pilot. People's like, hey, have a good flight. I'm like, well, it's kind of up to the pilot. Uh, that's just my fatalistic on life. Hopefully he's certified. Hopefully this is not his first flight. All right. And, and the guy's just, he's like kind of freaking out. And I realized my, my confidence did not make him comfortable. And I come to find out he's a Christian and I had to tone back a little bit. Like, no, man, we're going to be okay. And, uh, and then he did get a couple shots in. And, and he, so he's a sipping saint, right? He's like, he's saved, but he's, he's throwing a few back because it's probably me. It's probably my fault. I'll probably get to heaven and God's like, that guy never drank until you said that. <laughs> you caused him to drink. I don't know. But I was, I was confident because I know that God has a plan for my life. I know that as a pastor of this church, that God's not done with me yet. Like we are called to do something for God in our community. And so I'm like, you know, if we go down, we go down. But I don't think it's my time. I think we're good. And my confidence level is, hey, if I'm on the plane, we're going to make it because God's not done with me. And if he is, you better get saved. Right? I could probably use that evangelistic tool. Attention, ladies and gentlemen, this is a pastor stand. I think we're going to make it. I don't really have a definite word from God. But if you don't know Jesus, you better get saved right now. Wouldn't that be great if the captain would let me talk? You scare them all into heaven, man. Um, that's evangelistic. Hey, whatever works, right? Whatever works. So I'm not reckless with my life, but I'm also not going to go out before God says I am. That's just my perspective. The Bible does say our days are numbered, and I think God knows how many numbers I have on this earth until he's done with me. So again, my thing is, if I'm in the plane, we're probably okay. <laughs> now, now it, we could go down one time, and God's like, well, you got a raft, Everybody else is gone, but you got a raft. You didn't die because I have a plan. I don't want to be that guy. I saw Jaws way too many times, right? I just, it's not good. God has a great future for our church. He really does. I really do believe that our best days are ahead of us. Guys, I really believe that. Um, we have great board members, and man, we have, we have faith to believe that God is doing something um, in our church family, and that is to, to impact our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, our two missions is to see people saved and to grow Christians into stronger Christians. That, that's, that's our heart. It's not to build big buildings and have great programs. No, it's all about getting people into the kingdom of God and then growing those who are already in the kingdom of God, challenging those who maybe just feel like, hey, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Well, God wants us to grow. And God has a great future for us. So verse 36, here's what he did. Let's talk about this. It says, leaving the crowd behind. Now, Jesus was exhausted. He was physically tired. And this might be where some of you are today. Now, you're doing the best you can do, but you're just tired. Might be tired because you say yes to, to, to too many things. Uh, Dr. John Townsend asked this question. I love it. He said, when was the last time you said yes to the things you should have said no to? And that's my question for you today. When's the last time you said yes to the thing you should have said no to? Because you recognize it after the fact of, I should have said no. Anybody have those? You're doing like, like, I should have said no. Why didn't I say it? Well, I want to be a people pleaser. I want to help people. But there's a point that even Jesus left the crowd behind and the crowd wasn't bad. It's just that they were draining him. So he had to know when to get out of town, when to get into a boat, when to go to the mountains. And you see Jesus doing that pretty often. My excitement for November, you know my main concern for November? 
November's coming up, it's elk hunting, okay? <laughs> That's when we take our family vacation and we go elk hunting. I heard there might be an election or something, but, but I'm excited about elk hunting, I'm excited about elk hunting because that's, that's what I'm focused on. Because let me tell you something. The election is going to come and it's going to go. Whoever wins, wins. Okay? You go out, you vote. You vote the way that you believe. But we leave the results up to God. Amen. That's why I'm not worried about it. It's like I'm, I sent my vote in. It's already in. Now I'm focused on elk hunting. Okay? It depends on who wins. I may just stay up in the mountains. Who knows? Um, <laughs> probably not. Okay, no, I will come back. I will not abandon you, flock. I promise that. Uh, I was actually talking to my wife the other day. I said, you know, I have one of the only jobs that, that if it goes really south, I have to stay here with my flock. I will make sure my family's safe, but I will not leave my church family. I will not. Okay, and it might cost me my life, but I'm gonna tell you something. I'm not gonna be a hireling pastor who bails when things get hard. It's like, no, I'm, I'm determined to be here. And if we gotta open the doors and have church with the lights off, so be it. But God wants us again to have faith to know that he knows what he's doing with this world and that we don't have to freak out. Like I tell people, just don't, man, stay away from the news if you can. Is it really? Because it, it, does it make you more secure about life or less secure? Does it, what, does it draw you closer to God or away from God? Does it create more fear in you or more faith? My, my thing is, is, yeah, you should be knowing what's going on to a point, but it needs to feed your faith and not your fears. That's where I'm at. I love the word of God because God says, hey, I got this. You're only here temporarily anyway. So here's my next statement. Progress requires you to move. Progress requires you to move. You gotta move from where you are to where you need to be. You have to. You, can, you cannot have progress without being, uh, moving from where you're at. So what is it maybe today that you need to move from? Now, the crowd, again, wasn't bad. It's just that this assignment was over. It was draining, and Jesus needed to be filled up to replenish. Now, you might be a mom of, of kids that just are draining you. You have to find a way to replenish. Okay, you have to. I could suggest some things that are probably illegal, but you gotta, you gotta have some, yeah, yeah. I was thinking like you could lock them up somewhere, but that's, that's a bad thing to give as a pastor. Um, when, when I was a kid, it was go play outside. Because we live way out in the boonies, and it was like, go play outside. Right? And, and you, maybe even today it's safe enough, especially in Idaho, that, that, that go play outside, go play in the backyard. You got 15 minutes of just peace and quiet. Some of your moms are like, I don't even know what that's like. You ever been there? You're too tired to raise your hand. You'd be like, that's me. <laughs> I don't raise my hand, but I'm exhausted. Okay, we've been there, we've made it through, and you will make it through. Let me tell you this. I've never seen God's will come about while being in complete comfort. Never seen it. Never seen God's will come about while being in complete comfort. Typically, pain is involved in the process. So progress can only happen if you leave something behind, whether it's physical or spiritual or mental. Today, if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, you have sins that you need to leave behind at the foot of the cross. There's a heaven and there's a hell. I want you to be in heaven with me. Heaven's gonna be a great place, but the only way to heaven is by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That is the only way to heaven. And I'm glad that I can't earn it because I know myself, I am not near good enough to earn God's favor. I am so glad that all I have to do is say, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life. I'm a sinner and I need, I need your forgiveness. That's how you become a Christian. Isn't it cool? It's easier to get saved than it is to buy a gun in California. Amen. There's no waiting period, Right? As soon as you, you pray that prayer, you recognize I'm a sinner, I need a savior, Jesus forgives you of your sins, and you're a, you're a citizen of heaven. But progress can only happen if you leave something behind. Now let me get a little personal here. 
what is it that you need to leave behind? Are there some physical things that you need to just distance yourself from? Are there friends that are taking you in the wrong direction? Friends that are not feeding your, your faith, but they're actually feeding the wrong part of you? Getting you to do some things that you know you shouldn't be doing is taking you away from God? Well, you need to leave them behind. Mental things. Maybe it's sin things. Maybe it's things that you just, you're like, man, I blew it and I blew it. And how could God use me? How could God use you? Do you know who he used to write the, half the New Testament? A murderer? A man that was killing Christians, a man that was persecuting Christians, a guy named the Apostle Paul. And if, if God can use somebody like the Apostle Paul who went around killing Christians and throwing them in prison, he can probably use you. You go look and see what Paul did and you're like, yeah, I don't know if I match up to that. I mean, I was pretty bad, but Paul was really bad. All in the name of God. Can God forgive anybody? Absolutely. Can he forgive anything? He does every day. We just have to be willing to accept that. So some of you, your past is holding you back and, and Jesus is like, you know, I don't even remember what you did because you put it under the blood. You, you asked for forgiveness, I forgave you. What, why are you still thinking about it? I have a feeling sometimes that we think about our past sins and God says, I have no idea what you're thinking. I have no idea what you're talking about. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I wish marriage was like that, but let's move on. <laughs> it's not. It's like, I know exactly what you did and when you did it. <laughs> All right. Now, I am one of the very fortunate ones. And my wife, doesn't. she forgives, and she's like the most forgiving person ever. Like, I'll, I'll mention, like, remember why I did this? She's like, nope, I don't. And then she tries to claim that she's just losing her memory, but that's not the case. She, she chooses to forgive. She's like the epitome of grace. Because grace is, oh, yeah, it happened, but you know what? We've moved on. That's why it's so easy to live with her, because she's easy to live with. She's a very, very forgiving person. Progress can only happen if you leave something behind. Okay, good progress requires a plan. Okay, take a picture of that slide. Good progress requires a plan. If I want to go somewhere in life, I have to have a plan. But a plan is only as good as your willingness to follow the plan. Just having plans doesn't do it. Wednesday night at our Bible study, I think it was, I said, you, you can have a plan, but a plan requires a hammer. Like you have to put some effort to the plan. So the plan is easy because everybody has plans. Every person in this place has plans. Some people have plans like, I'm just going to stay on the couch and watch video games and let my parents take care of me. That's all that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, they're paying for my data and that's the plan is to ride this thing out until mom and dad kick you out. Right? That's, that's, that's somebody's plan. Like, no, this is my plan. Well, everybody has plans, but if you want to get ahead, okay, it's going to take some work. You can go to a Dave Ramsey thing and have this plan of, oh, this is what I want to do with the budget. We're going to budget. We're going to do this. And you have this budget. This is where we're going to spend our money. This is where we're not going to spend our money. This is great. But if you don't execute the plan, you will never be financially stable. Okay, you have to execute the plan. With me, probably with you, old habits die hard. They really do. All people have plans. Fewer people do what it takes to execute the plan. So here's my question at this point in the message. What do you need to let go of that you've been holding on to? What do you need to let go of that you've been holding on to? Some of you might be holding on to bitterness. Maybe somebody did something to you and you're still mad about it. Maybe it happened a year ago, maybe 20 years ago, maybe today. Maybe on the way to church and you're like, oh, I'm gonna get her back because I'm thinking of some one-liners and I was inspired by Stan because he said some stuff that I could twist and make it look like my own and I'm gonna really get her on the way home. I'm gonna really get him on the way home. I would say, shut up, don't do it, Okay. I don't want to do marriage counseling at 2 p.m. this afternoon or 6 because we're going to be watching a playoff game. And if you call me during the, Do the Dodger-Atlanta game, my phone is not going to be answered because I'm doing something important with some good friends of mine. And may the team that has the most Christians win. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that works. What happens if we get to heaven? We'll find out that's how it worked. 
God was like, no, whoever had the most born-again people on their team won. And every time, we'd be like, what? And you'd have, can we have a do-over? Everybody gets saved. That's not the way it is. All right. What do you need to let go on that you've been holding on to? I'm going to tell you kind of a silly story that happened as a kid. Uh, we had a, a little tiny town I live in. Again, the town had maybe 500 people in it. We didn't even, we had like two stop signs. The closest stoplight was an hour away. And it was just one where two little highways intersected. And we had this guy come to our, our little town to do a soccer clinic. Yeah, he put on the soccer clinic. And as I was thinking about it the other day, I thought, you know, we didn't even play soccer in our town. We had basketball and we had baseball. Soccer wasn't even a thing, but they did a soccer clinic. You talk about, you know, misguided priorities. But, but the kids of the town, we all got together and we did the soccer clinic on a Saturday. And there was this one kid, I don't even remember his name, but this kid found something. And we were doing the soccer clinic and he found a little tiny can opener, like an old military metal can opener that, you know what I'm talking about? They're, they're just, yeah, he found it. And he was like, he was like, oh, look what I found, look what I found. And we're like, okay, well, let's get back to the soccer. He's like, no, I'm going no, to sit out. We're like, why? He goes, because I don't want to lose it. You want to lose it? We're having like a soccer clinic and you want to not do what your mom paid for because you're afraid to lose a little can opener? Yeah, and then I looked over and he's sitting there going, my precious. He's like, <laughs> it inspired something. He probably read, and, and, and he, he skipped the whole rest of the clinic because he was afraid of losing something that he viewed valuable. We knew you could get for five cents at the store. It was, it, it, and I tell you, it was a dumb story, but isn't it like us that Man, we don't know what to let go of. And when we don't let go of certain things, we can't grasp something that's really good because we're so focused on a little can opener when God has so much more for us. Hey, Pastor Lou's having a good time in there, right? Uh, if you're online, our, our, we just heard noise from the kids' church room, and that's a good thing, I think. <laughs> Maybe we should have the ushers check on that. I think it's good. So what do you need to let go of? Verse 37 and 38, let's get ready to wrap this up. So the storm comes, and they do in life, guys. Storms come, and Jesus is sleeping. I personally believe, uh, because throughout the Bible, there are, there are angelic forces that actually create storms. There's winds uh, that are controlled by angels. Revelation talks about there's, there's th- four angels that control wind. And I really believe that this was probably a demonic-caused storm. No biblical proof that says it was. Okay, let's get that clear. But in, in my heart of hearts, I believe, because they tried to kill Jesus a lot of times, never succeeded, uh, that I think that the, there was a demonic thing that happened here. And that's what came up. That's just my speculation. Uh, and when we get to heaven, you'll all find out that I'm right. Okay, just making sure you're paying attention. Yeah, or not. <laughs> I'll get to heaven and Jesus is like, why did you say that? That had nothing to do. It was natural. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the storm comes, and they do, and Jesus is sleeping. Okay, he's he's sleeping, and he's sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples kind of freak out. And so here was my question: is is how was Jesus able to sleep when others were freaking out? How was he sleeping so sound? You have this wind and waves, and he's just song logs. He's tired. He's on a mat, and he's sleeping. Well, let me tell you back to verse 35. This is why 35 is so important. Jesus had already determined the destination as a fact, not a hope, not a wish, not a plan. He said, let us go to the other side. In other words, we are going to get there. We are gonna get there. 
There is freedom when there is no worry. Why is there no worry? Because drowning in this storm was not a part of God's plan for Jesus's life. He knew why he came. He knew how it was going to end. And so he could sleep in the storm because he knew that drowning was not a part of the plan. So in our lives, we freak out about a lot of things that God says, that's not part of my plan. I know that's what it looks like. I know you're in a storm. I know it's scary, but that's not how it ends for you. That's why I can freak out passengers on a jetliner. I'm like, this is not how it ends for me, man. We're all good. They don't, they're, they're on the bottom. I'm up in the apple tree looking at the whole thing and they're like down going, no, don't talk like that. Can I have another one? Can I have another? He's just popping them away. I'm like, bro, like if that was communion, you would be really holy right now. Um, but it wasn't. Right? Drowning was not a part of the plan. He was to die on a cross and he knew it. And this is why it's so important to truly understand that God has a plan for your life. And when you serve him, the plan will come to pass. That's my confidence, okay? My confidence isn't just in the plans. My confidence is in the builder. Jesus is the builder of my life. God is the builder. He's the master builder. And he's building something in you. So today, if you think, man, I don't know where my life is going, my encouragement to you is just keep rowing in the direction that you're supposed to be rowing in. You're here today because you love Jesus. You're here today because you want to get closer to Jesus. That's what you want. Or you're here today because you want a girlfriend that loves Jesus and you're just pretending. I've seen that happen a lot too. Um, but, but there's a reason you're here. God has a plan for you. He does. He's got a plan and his plan is good. My confidence is him and it's in the builder. So the question here is, Jesus, don't you care? And guys, we've all been here. We have all asked that question in one way or another. Don't you care, Jesus? Jesus we're, we're, we're gonna drown. Don't you care? Don't you care? See, it's easy to trust God when there's smooth sailing, but the test of faith comes when you need faith. And that's when life is hard. And that may be where you're at right now. That you're in the boat and you're trying to serve God. You're trying to do the best you can and you're rowing, but it's just overtaking you. And the best thing you can do is cry out and say, Jesus, I know you care, but I need to feel it right now. (laughs) You ever been there? It's like, God, I'm talking to you and you're not talking back. Usually it's in those moments that God says, I don't need to talk to you right now because I got everything under control. Everything's going to be fine. Son, daughter, you just keep rowing. You just keep doing your part. Faith is not faith unless it's tested. Okay? So why wake him up? Back to that question. Why wake him up? I believe that these disciples woke him up because they believed that he could do something about it. Like, why else would they wake him up, right? Jesus, hey, don't you care if we drown? And then Jesus does something amazing. He, He wakes up. He rebukes the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. You're going like, ah! You ever have your spouse just take the kids and you see them driving off into the sunset? And you're like, whoa, the house is quiet. Some of you know I have it. I want to, I want to. Spouse, make that happen for the exhausted other spouse. Make it happen. Take the kids you know, go dump them off on the playground and hope for the best. Um, no, don't, don't do that. It is Idaho. You're probably fine. And, and it's calm, completely still. And the thing that kind of, Matt, think that freaks me out here is it says that the disciples were terrified that it got calm. I was like, whoa. Okay, you just woke Jesus up going, hey, don't you care? Jesus, yeah, I care. Okay, shut up. And they're like, ah! And Jesus is like, 
Didn't you wake me up to do something about the problem? Well, yeah, but we didn't expect it to happen. I'm like, if I was a disciple, I'd be like, hey, Jesus, I, I believed you the whole time. Those other 11 jokers, no, so they, all know, they all have no faith. I'd be like, can I sit at your right hand? Like when you come into your kingdom, can I have that seat? Because I believe that when we woke you up, you were gonna do something about this. And you did, and I knew what was gonna happen. I told him, hey, we make Jesus up. He's gonna make everything calm. Everything's gonna be cool. Everything's gonna be fine. The Lord, they didn't believe me, you know, but I had faith. It doesn't say that. It says all the disciples were terrified. And why are we so terrified that Jesus actually does what he says he's gonna do? Why wake him up if you don't have this expectation that he's actually going to make things better? Isn't that crazy? But the disciples are a lot like us. Okay, Scott shared with men's breakfast yesterday. If you missed men's breakfast, it was awesome. Scott shared his, and I never heard this before because Scott hears God's voice. And it was, he was watching baseball when the Lord spoke to him. And so there's something to that. So if you want a word from God, watch the Dodgers. Um, And and he shared, Scott, would you mind come sharing it? Would you do that? Brandon, could you hand me the microphone? Would you share share that? Because he's going to do it. I'll mess it up. This is totally ad-libbing right here. Yeah, it's ad-libbing. And when God talks to me, it's, I'm ADD, you so it's come very back. short. Come up here. No, I want oh, you to come up, up here. Yeah. Uh, basically, when we, we, had the thing, we were trying to talk about what we wanted to talk about in church, and what I wanted was... There you go. Have a seat. As change happens in the church, that the men start forming, start being one group. And the first thing we got to remember is we're not perfect either. And I was so mad at the Dodgers because they won a game, lost a game. They looked great. They looked terrible. And then God said, you're a man like they're a team. Sometimes you're great. They're all trying. Yeah. But sometimes they're just terrible. Yeah. So let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I know. It's so good. So good, though. Amen. And it it resonated with us, guys. Because Scott heard God give him an analogy that we could all understand. That there's days we're trying, but we swing and miss. We pop out, we fail, we make errors. But God loves us anyway. He loves us anyway. So Scott, thanks for sharing that yesterday. And um, it was just a great word. So here's what I want to leave you with. The test reveals your progress and your faith isn't faith unless it's tested. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He's overcome. This is the last verse um, that I felt I needed to share with you. And it's in Philippians 1, 6, and it says this, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Okay, he's not just God over small problems. He's God over everything. And for some reason, these disciples had seen him do miracles, but when he calmed the wind and the waves, it terrified them. Why should we be terrified over a God who made the earth, made the wind, made the waves that he can calm it? And so we need to cry out to Jesus today. Some of you are going through some hard stuff and, and stuff that you're like, I'd rather not be facing, but, but we have to ask this question, how big is God? He's big. He can control it. He can take care of things. They were terrified. So my challenge to you today is stay on the workbench, okay? Take, keep, keep going to batting practice. Keep taking swings. Keep doing what you need to do to make progress in your life. My last thing I wrote down just in my hand, right? Because I, I do my message and then I, I tweak it a little bit. The last thing I wrote here was Jesus isn't worried about the things he's already taken care of. He's already taken care of some things in your life. The destination was already de- decided. It's just a matter of fact, are we going to keep going? Or are we going to keep trusting? So that's what I have for you. It's 12.05, my gift to you today. My, my gift to you today. It's a short sermon. Don't amen too loud on that. Um, 
But here's the point of decision, guys. Here's the point that you need to deal with a couple things today. Number one, if you've never given your life to Jesus today, you can only get to heaven by giving your life to him. That is the only way. That's what the Bible says. That's what I'm gonna believe. And I'm not gonna take any chances. I gave my life to Jesus as a kid and then I rededicated my life when I was in junior high. Never regretted it one time. I'm not asking you to join a church, not asking you to join a religion. What I'm asking you to do is get forgiven by a God who loves you very much. Amen. So if you bow your heads with me, this is how we do it at our church family because it's really kind of a personal thing between you and God. Have you given your life to Christ? And if not, if you need to, if you want to, I'm just gonna ask you to be bold and brave and just lift your hand up where I can see it. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out. But we wanna pray together to make sure that you understand that, that eternity is your choice. Where you spend it is your choice. Is there anybody that needs to give their life to Jesus today? Anybody at all? You just lift your hand up where I can see it. I'm not gonna take a long time. I'm not gonna pressure you, but I don't want you to leave not having made that choice. Okay, all right, don't see any hands, okay? If you're online watching, it's a simple prayer. It's a simple prayer of saying, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me my sins, to come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. That's as easy as it is to be a Christian. Okay, you just get forgiven. You plug into a church. You get a Bible. Read it. Second question I have for you today is as simple as this. Are you facing something right now that you just want me to pray? I'm going to pray just over the whole church family. But if that's you, if you have something, just, just lift your hand up because God sees. He knows what it is. Okay, hands up all over. You can put them down. Lord, I thank you for my family, whether they're here for the first time or many years they're my family, and I just ask in Jesus' name that you would answer the prayer according to your will and your way, that you would give them strength for another day. Let them know, Father, that you're proud of them because you are, because they're continuing to battle, continuing to fight, continuing to row toward that destination that may even be unknown. But God, we know you have a plan for us, and we can trust the process. We can trust the fact that you're doing something even when we can't see it. That's our confidence, and we thank you for being with us every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to sing a, a song uh, to seal that, like, because I want you to leave here encouraged. Amen. And we're way early anyway, so we got time for a couple minutes song, right? Yes, we do. Let's stand and let's, let's sing the song.